Hello and welcome to Sensei Podcast. This is Manos Brilakis discussing with leaders in the field of CTO and complex PCI. Sensei means teacher or master in Japanese. The goal of the Sensei Podcast is to help you learn and improve in CTO and complex PCI so that you can become the best that you can be and offer your patients the best possible results. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sensei Podcast. It is my great pleasure to introduce Dr. Anja Axnes, who is from Bergen, Norway, and one of the fortunately uh, growing number of uh, women who are doing phenomenal work and leading the field of CTO intervention. So, Anja, welcome again. It's exciting to have you on board next to the fireplace and discuss to you about your learning trip in CTO PCI. Thank you so much, Manos, for having me. I'm, I'm excited. This is fun. So, Anya, can you go over with us, how was your learning trip? How did you go to learn these procedures, which are very complex? And I know you've, as you say, you're in a smaller city in Norway, but you've been working on this for many years. How did the passion start and how did you learn? So, I, I actually started out a little bit odd by being an interventionalist at all. I, I was a GP uh, at first. I had kids very early. I had my son during med school and I had my daughter just as I came out of, of uh, med school in my internship. So uh, when I was done, you know, it was busy uh, and studying cardiology was a little bit heavy, even though that's always what I wanted. So I, uh, I was offered a job as a GP and I did that for a few years. And then I wanted back to interventional, uh, I mean, I'm uh, back to cardiology. And uh, at some point, just uh, very shortly into my, my training actually, uh, they were kind of short of uh, interventionalists at my hospital. So they approached me, say, we think you're the type to do this. Do, would you like to try it out? And I fell immediately in love with, uh, with the lab. So, so uh, very quickly um, uh, loved to do, to do the procedures and, and that kind of job. So, uh, and I've always uh, liked to push hard to, to, you know, know everything. Uh, uh, I'd like to know everything at once. Um, and um, I always wanted to do uh, difficult procedures and to learn everything. So uh, I quite early got an interest for, for CTO PCI, going to congresses and, and seeing these, these technical challenging procedures. So um, yeah, took it home. And started actually, I'm, I'm kind of self-trained uh, in CTO PCI. Yeah. So you went to the meetings and you saw some people and then you started doing the procedures in the lab. And uh, did you have other people who helped you? Did you go through books? Did you look at meetings, the uh, videos? H how did you actually learn the actual steps of the procedure? So uh, there was uh, one person who did CTOs quite early uh, at our place, but he, he um, started doing something else, went to industry. Uh, as I started uh, having the interest to do CTO PCI, and then there's one other colleague who was kind of starting the same process, but I've actually always done CTOs on my own. So I would um, I would uh, inhale anything that I could see uh, in meetings, and I was lucky to go to to CTO meetings. 
especially the actors meeting in, in Amsterdam. Uh, and I started out um, uh, doing some, you know, uh, basic procedures and then increasing the, 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 the volume and, and the difficulty, you know, level of, of the CTOs. But uh, actually, uh, most of it is learning by doing. Perfect. And then which things did you find the most difficult things to learn? Was it the wires? Was it the microcatheters, the angiogram? What did you find the most difficult when you were learning to do the procedures? Uh, it's something about knowing everything that's out there, all, all the equipment uh, that you need to, to learn and, and the, the, the different uh, properties of wires and all that. But I think actually the most difficult step was to to take the step to do retrograde you know to, to do the first retrograde case not having having done that before uh, but I haven't really been been afraid to do anything I've always felt that I've been on, on the safe side um, and as I got into that doing doing ha having started a little bit with ADR I I had met Tony the Martini at a meeting and I also meet, met some of the, the people in, in the UK, which has been a, a big inspiration to me, uh, James Ratt and, and Julian and, and, and Margaret, of course. So I had Tony over and I had uh, Julian over to, do, to teach me to use crossbows and do ADR. And it's also always a huge inspiration to have other people come and teach you. And as I got, as I kind of had um, had some volume and I, and I did pretty much uh, everything, I felt that I needed to to go out to um, to step up my my skills um, and also to kind of see where I was to have someone evaluate my work. So. I got in touch with Bill Lombardi in Seattle. This is like, I think it's four years ago. And he invited me to come and work with him. So I went to him uh, twice, two falls in a row, stayed for a week just and did cases together. And you know how he is. He really pushed my 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 mind and he pushed my, my skills. And he, um, yeah made me believe in what I was doing so I could go home and, and get even better. And then I met, um, you know, Margaret invited me to do a live case with her for TCT um, three years ago, three and a half years ago. And after that, we, we did a lot of cases together uh, flying across the Atlantic. And that also um, really helped me, me improve um, improve my work, I think. Absolutely. So you started by yourself, but then you had some feedback, you worked with other people, and that helped, you know, push to the next uh, to the next level. Um, so what do you think should be the characteristic of someone, of a mentor or a teacher, like people who want to learn this? What did you advise them to look for if they want to start the process? Because obviously learning with someone makes it a little easier than trying to do it all yeah. by yourself. And also, I mean, it's, it's hard work to do it by yourself and also do cases by yourself. And I'm not sure if I, I, if I want to advise it, but so I would say that the, the work that I've done over the last few years with, 
with uh, a mentor, it's not only uh, to have them in your lab to, to discuss the cases as you go, but it's also having someone that you can send cases to, you know, on any platform, Dropbox or whatever, go through cases, come up with a strategy, make sure that your thinking is is in line with, with what they're thinking, you know, how you should approach the cases and all that. I think that's a, a very good, good learning point. Um, I've been so lucky to be a part of, of CLIMB, uh, firstly, as, as um, uh, faculty, and the last year I was director of, of the CTO track. And I think that's also early in that career, especially for women, of course, uh, since this is an initiative from, uh, from women as one. I think that's a good, good way to get in touch with other people and to learn the basics. And I think it's very important to go to meetings. I've always learned a lot just from, from anything from the basic talks to, to look at life cases. And how do you prepare for a case now? Uh, is your preparation different than it was a few years back? Are you more relaxed or are you still stressed? How, how do you prepare for the case? So I'm absolutely more relaxed, but I think I might prepare more now because I know how important that is. So I'll usually, uh, the last thing I'll do before, so, so my CTO's days are typically Tuesday and Thursday. So what I'll do on Friday before I go home, I'll always look up the cases for next week and I'll, I'll go through them, not very deeply, but I'll go through them. I'll, I'll check what kind of patients it is, if it, they're all young, if they've got heart failure, you know, all this. And then I'll look at the angels and then that will kind of play in my mind over the weekend and over the days ahead. And then the day before, I will always uh, go really thoroughly through, through the angels and I will make up a plan, one, two, three, my strategy on how to, to do the case. And then on the day of the CTO, that's when I decide how much I will push, you know. And there's always a risk benefit to what you do, how, how frail the patient is, what you have to gain, you know, the territory, the ischemia, all that. Um, so that I will usually do uh, the day of the case. Uh, and then, so you essentially, you sleep over the cases, you get a sense, you sleep over them, you kind of process them subconsciously until you actually get to do them. And then in the actual day of the procedure, is there any special routine that you have, apart from looking at the film, talking to the patient, anything special, or you just go on it and, and you work the best? Yeah, routine? no, not, not, not in particular. I've been, so what I do now, I found that since uh, I don't have, um, I, I'm, uh, I'm working alone, like a solo operator, uh, so, any fellows who want to come to Norway, welcome. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so, um, so what I do, I always involve the team. So I will always go in and I will drop the 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 case on the board, and I will tell the nurses what I intend to do if there's any potential risk, you know, uh, and try to involve them in in, in the process because uh, I think that's quite important. It's, I think it's particularly important when, you, uh, when you're about to deal with complications. It's, it's important for them to know what's going on and, and what you're doing. And then I will think about equipment. I will uh, get my CDO card out and kind of prep, but I don't have any specific things that I'm doing, no dance or anything like that. 
And have you trained your cath lab, the techs and the nurses? Uh, have you trained them? They, did they learn with you how to participate in these cases and get them done in a safe yeah, way? Yeah, so I've been uh, having uh, some lectures for the nurses. I could probably have done more, but I've, I've had some, some lectures for them in a group. So, and kind of trying to make it low key so they can ask any questions. Uh, try to teach them the different uh, equipment, uh, what it's all used for, and and uh, why certain things are are more dangerous than others. You know, if we're going on, if we're like, if I'm going into a, a epicardial, I'll always let them know. Uh, so I think we're trying to make it a, a team teamwork. And how do you deal with the complications and the failures? Is there a specific routine? How do you let them not deter you and learn from them? Um, of course, we're all afraid of complications, but I think uh, for some reason, when I get in a situation where I have a, com a complication, I always get very calm. Uh, I don't get stressed. I think that's not a good thing to do. And I I try to tell everyone around everybody around me what step one two three four you know what they should all do in this situation and um and get control over the situation uh and thankfully uh usually even though you have a complication it turns out well um and i but i will always play a complication over and over you know it will stay with me for, for quite a while, I will go through it and I will try to to learn from it. Is there anything I should have done different? Anything I did that I shouldn't have done? Um, and I try, try to learn from the situation um, uh, and, and make sure that I, I don't do anything twice that I could have avoided. But you know, sometimes it's not, uh, you have to be prepared for complications if you're gonna do this, it's, it's not, avoidable uh, but I don't think we should accept complications at all I think we should go for for uh, uh, to try to to not have complications but you have to be prepared that there will be some wonderful and then are there some cases good or bad that you remember that taught you a lot of things about uh, how do you practice now that have influenced the way you practice? Yeah, so actually recently I uh, had a, a case um, where I did uh, an ad hoc CTO uh, in the evening, which I know is not a good idea uh, and that I know I shouldn't do. I mean, we have data on that and we know that, you know, I've all, I already had done CTOs that day and I was on call and we got this MSTEMI and and um, I thought well the best thing here is not to do you know it was a post-cabbage patient and the best thing would be to open the native and and leave the vein graft but I did that after a long day it wasn't planned and of course uh, the guy had a, a late tamponade later in the ward it was a really complex case and I shouldn't have done it and I knew that I shouldn't have done it and things like that is um, you know that the patient did well but uh, so I'm never gonna do that again never do non-planned CTO complex CTOs it's not smart and you're right that these cases can be challenging they can take a lot of toll on you and how do you keep fit and able to do these long cases over a long day or multiple yeah. cases? So um, 
I've always liked to to work out and um, uh, you know I live in Bergen and we have uh, it's the city of the seven mountains so we have a lot of mountains here so I love to hike or run in the mountains uh, and I'm a biker I, I love my road bike so in the I actually bike all year long to work, but in the summer and spring, I will go for, for long bike rides. I love that. And of course, in the winter, I love to ski. Uh, I love to go over the plateaus, pulling a sled, uh, tenting outside. Uh, so, um, yeah. And I, for me, the, the, the exercise is both for my physical, but also for my mental health. Health. So I, I need to push hard. So I work out hard, and that's how I kind of um, get my um, endorphins, and I'll also get my my mental strength. I think. Yeah. So do you ride your bike for Stemis? Yeah. Well, not now because now I moved so far away. But I used to. I used to have like uh, seven kilometers. Uh, to work and I would ride my bike for STEMIs, but now I have uh, 17, so that's a little bit too long, a little bit too far. So. Okay. But clearly that has helped you to stay fit and be able to do these uh, complex procedures. Any other things that you do mentally uh, to organize? Do you kind of think, uh, meditate or read some books? What do you do to keep you mentally centered and, and fresh? Um, I don't do, I know there's a lot of CTO operators that do yoga and meditate and all that. I've, I've never done that. Uh, nature is, is a really nice thing uh, for me. Uh, so I live by the ocean. I, I will sometimes uh, go and sit by the ocean, look at the waves, listen to the waves. Maybe that is meditation. Uh, I like to listen to audiobooks. Uh, I think that's also a very good uh, good way of relaxing and and turn off. Um, uh, so that's good. I, of course, um, have my family and I have a dog. Right now, I've got nine puppies. So, so spending time with them and and turning off work for a while is good. Do you have a favorite book and a favorite movie? Mm, not really. So, so I would never read a book twice. <laughs> I don't do that. I, I like uh, crime. Uh, I can read novels. I had, uh, but I don't think I have like this amazing one one favorite. Uh, I, to be honest, I don't watch a lot of TV. I I keep busy. Um, uh, I actually, um, yeah. So no, I don't think I can can pick any any in, in particular and then for the people that come to your hospital that you train them in pci or general uh, what are the things that you look for in them do you think their hand skills their coordination their curiosity what actually are the things that you look for in someone as you mentioned you're recruiting for a complex fellow what are the things that you would look for them to be willing and excited to teach them so i think in all that we do, I mean, we, we, we need to be, of course, you need to have uh, some technical skills, I think, to, to, to be, uh, become a, a complex PCI or CTO operator. But I think the first thing with a person coming in wanting to train is, is the excitement and the engagement uh, in what we do and uh, the, 
the will uh, and the ability to work hard because I think that's very important if you're going to be if you're going to be excellent, which I think we have to be, you have to be excellent if you're going to do this. Uh, and then you really need to put down a lot of work. It's like becoming a, a super athlete or good in, in what you do. You really need to put down a lot of work. So I'm looking for someone who is uh, excited and interested in what they're doing, willing to work hard. They need to have some 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 skills to, to start out with, you know, uh, and also be be good with patients. I think it's very important that they engage with the patients in a, in a good way because even though to do these things that we do, uh, it's dangerous and you have to be... Um, so I'm not afraid to do CTOs, but you should always be a little bit nervous and a little bit afraid because you don't want to harm the person that's in front of you. So if you're not afraid when you start out of having complications or or that I don't think that's the place for you. So uh, how was the English word? You have to be, um, yeah, I'll find it. Cautious or... I guess, uh, respectful to that the patient. The word, caring the, the, the patient. respectful. You have to have a big respect for what you do and a big respect for your patients. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. And that's one of the worst things if you have a complication. But that's why the communication before is critical and obviously striving for the best that yeah. we can do. Um, what are the things, Anya, that you're most proud of? You've done a lot of things. But what are the things that you're most proud of professionally and uh, personally? always hard to to brag so I think I'm actually like personally I am quite proud that I'm I was able to um, so I have two grown-up kids right I have my daughter is almost 20 and my, my boy is is 22 and I may manage to raise two wonderful kids even though I worked so much and worked hard I managed to be there for them, I think. So they are, are um, good people. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, professionally, I am a little bit proud of that I've managed, that I've, that I've come where I am, that I managed to, to always push um, and have the... the I, I guess the skills or or abilities or that I have um, with the with the possibilities that I've given. I, I think I've taken any opportunity that I've had to to get as good as I can. I've always pushed hard to be as good as I can for the best of my patients. So I think uh, I'm quite proud of that. Yeah, and obviously you've done a phenomenal work and create a lot of opportunities for the patients locally because, as you say, this is hard to find this skill in many places, um, not just in Norway, but around the world as well. And is there a lot of coronary disease in Norway? Is it a lot of CTOs that you see or is it less less common? Um, I think compared to, to maybe the US, I don't think we see the same severity. Uh, but of course... Um, People are getting older, and, and I think the, the disease that we see are, are a lot of calcium, it's complex, um, and, you know, more and more post-cabbage, people are getting older, and, and I think 
now all the the post haver uh, PCI is getting challenging. Uh, we have a long waiting list uh, for regular PCI and for for CTO PCI, but it's been quite steady over the last uh, few years. So I think it's more um, as as we are able to do more, you know. The, the, the population also increases. So we do things today that we didn't do uh, some years back. So, yeah, but I don't think Norwegians Perfect. aren't the, the worst, but we're, you know, we're also getting heavier and it's getting more, more disease here as well. And then, um, and then Nanya, you were seeing more and more women, as you know, this field a few years back, there were very few women. But now, you know, yourself, you're one of the, you know, people who've really mastered the field and moving the field forward and serving as role models for other women as well. And the climbers one that you've um, uh, led last year is also an another example. So if you had some advice specific for women, the women who want to do complex PCI, since you've been there, done that, what would you advise them? So um, I think it's... Um important that you that you dare to stick your head out and and say that you want to do this you know uh, and um i think so what i've seen in, in my so i've i've had nice colleagues and all that but when i started out i was the only female in norway actually doing intervention um at all and even though you're you're one of the group things happen beside you, you know, they're out having a beer or, you know, it's, it's the guys club or something like that. And I think it's important for us as women to, to try to have some friend or mentor or colleague to support us, you know, or, or work together um, as a group. And I think initiatives as climb, and there's many of those are, are good to, to kind of give you the, the um, support you need to take the step forward, but PCI, CTO, PCI, complex um, uh, chip, it, it's it's fun, and uh, I think you should pursue it if you think it's it's fun. Uh, so so um, just um, uh, be brave and and contact people, people like me or or any of the other women who are are doing this, and will help you to to get started. And I think it's been an incredibly well-knit group, and I think that helps a lot to getting more. And I think this year in the Sky Fellows, we did see many more women actually becoming interventional fellows than we had seen before. So clearly, there is a much more um, search and a little more, much more demand to become an interventionalist amongst women, yeah. which is wonderful. Now, when it comes to radiation, are you doing anything specific? I think there is now everyone, men or women, actually are more and more concerned about radiation and those long cases yeah. sometimes. Are you doing anything special? How worried are you about radiation? Uh, probably not worried enough. So I have to admit that I'm not worried, which I should be. But that's kind of who I am. I, I don't uh, tend to worry, but I, I try to protect myself. And we, um, so what, um, what we do is I have the, all new labs, I'm lucky, with the low radiation. I make sure, uh, I always have a red pad on top of my patient because we know that most of the radiation actually comes scattered from the patient. So you need to make the room between your your screen. You have to have lead under your screen. You have to have a red pad and every, to, to protect you from the scattered radiation from the patient. And 
um, I tried to tell my my fellows to you know take a step back when you see Sina and and use as as less Sina and um, uh, fluoro, store fluoro things like that. So yeah, my my dosage have really declined over the years. So even though now I'm doing long and complex cases, um, my my um, uh, yeah. I'm I'm very aware of it, and I think also not only for me but also for the patient we need to to so people are are going through a lab a lot you know several times especially patients like CTO patients you know they have chronic coronary disease and they'll be through it many times so it's important to to at every procedure try to make it um, as uh, as low radiation as possible for them. Perfect. And then in terms of the live cases, you've done live cases and you do phenomenal work on that. How useful do you see them as an educational tool? And uh, do you think it's, it's worth it? And do you learn from them? Uh, what are your thoughts about live cases? So I think live cases can be actually very, very, um, be a very good learning. Um, it's maybe just as much about the the moderator and and the the second operator to. I mean, we have to be. When you do a live case, it, it's about the teaching. It's not about uh, getting the the stent in at the end, uh, which is also, of course, very very good. But it's it's about good teaching, and I think if you have a good live case. Um, where the teaching is good, there's good discussion between the panel and the the, uh, the operators. Uh, I think that's a very good way to teach people how to do CTO PCI. Um, I haven't. I am not extremely. Um, I haven't done a lot of live cases. Uh, I've done some, and I still think it's quite frightening to do it. I'm quite nervous. Um, uh, but I try to tell myself before I go in there that I have to do my best, best for the patient, and I have to be uh, remember that this is um, um, just about that, you know, uh, doing a good job um, and not do anything that you wouldn't do if you weren't at this place, and and try to tell the audience how you think and, and what you're doing to solve the case in the best way. Perfect. And then just curious, what motivates you? What gets you going up in the morning to come to the lab and work all day and do all these cases and then go home through the snow late at night? So how, how do you keep your motivation and keep uh, excited about doing this? So I, I have to say that, like I told you up front, when I, when I, my, my first day or second day in the lab i was i was sold so and i still i'm still like that i love my job uh, and i i love solving complex cases and i love uh, actually i think going on call having a patient coming that you can really help but it's still it's still very satisfying to be able to to treat people and help people and i think my job is fun so so of course, uh, I'm also tired in the mornings, but uh, for now, I think uh, what I do is a lot of fun. And I still think that I have uh, a way to go. So I still think I can get, get better. And uh, I want to learn more and, and get better. And I think um, 
at this point in my career, uh, the way to get better is to teach others. I think that's a very good way of looking at how you do things is, is to tell, you know, is to train others. So that's quite motivating. Um, yeah, so, so for now it's still, still fun. So I'll, as long as it's fun, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. No, this is perfect. And again, as you, I mean, it's obvious that whatever you're doing, you really love it and you're enjoying it. And that shows in your case and also the way you talk to people and teach people and do all these activities. So if you had to give uh, the people who are starting now or halfway on their course how to learn to do these procedures, what would you advise them? What would be your top uh, advice, piece of advice for these uh, fellows? Um, so... For one thing, if there's any, if there's someone in your lab that you can learn from, I mean, being a second operator, be there and, and talk and, and discuss uh, is, is very good to start with. And then having someone with you, I, I don't think I'll recommend people starting out like I did doing it on your own, because I think that's, that takes longer time. And it also, at some point you need people to, to guide you, to make the right decisions Um so uh, go to meetings. Uh, I actually think sometimes it can be good to look at YouTube. Actually, there are some good cases there you can learn from, from people like Manos and, and other, other excellent operators around the world. And uh, reach out to people. Uh, send your cases when you're, when you're starting going solo, right? Send your cases to other people and discuss your cases. Um, I think that's also a good idea before you go into the lab that you have not only your, only your own um, uh, perspective on things, but you have someone else's perspective as well. And I think that's, uh, at least for me, it's been very, very helpful. And then, and then also I know that you've, uh, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. That's a great summary, Anya. And also I know that not only you have been very good at the doing and teaching, but also you've launched your research uh, program as well. You've done some studies. So you can tell us more about this and how the inspiration for this came and how it fits with the whole yeah. picture. So it's quite funny. I've always thought of myself as uh, a very hands-on. And since I kind of started a little bit late in life doing PCI, PCI I thought, I'm not sure if I would uh, uh, go into research. But, you know, as you go, you see things that could have been done better or at least we think it could have been done better. So uh, during a few years ago, um, I've been thinking about CTO-PCI, how we, I mean, we're, we're all talking about these complications and how we need to accept complications, but as few as possible. But I think, still think we have too many complications and uh, started thinking about how to do that better. Uh, so this was something that me and, and uh, Margaret came up with uh, as we worked together, uh, flying back and forth uh, between Norway and Scotland and doing cases together. So we uh, come up with an, an idea of how to hopefully minimize the risk of complications in, in the most complex CTO cases. And as that idea came up, I've been working hard about... Um, uh, developing this study, you know, uh, make, building an ECRF and, and getting the whole study organization going. 
And I have now included uh, 40 patients in uh, the study that's called CTO, uh, Invest CTO Study, uh, which is about a planned investment procedure in, in the most complex CTOs. And I think it's extremely interesting and it's fun. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, goes within the next year. So this is a study that goes on in Norway and the UK. Um, yeah, so hopefully I can bring something new into the field of CTO-PCI, which would be um, very nice. So... Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a phenomenal area and a lot of, uh, as you say, this is a great way to potentially reduce complications, make the procedure shorter and uh, more efficient and also still have patency down the line. And, you know, having one or two procedures is not an issue as long as you don't get the complication, which you could avoid doing the investment in the first time. So, again, we're very excited. W when are you expecting the study to, um, to, have, it, to have results? Um... So I think we could have some, uh, we're, we're going to have some results uh, within the next six months, I think. Uh, of course, I know how things are going and it's, it's going uh, very well. So I think, you know, these, these patients are like the, the, the toughest of the CTOs. It's, we're talking about JCTO 3, 4, 5, post-cabbage, uh, they've been tried before. And it's tough on the patients, you know, it's tough to be on the table for hours. They have high radiation doses and, and contrast doses. And I think also one of the thoughts that I had with this study was that we shouldn't only look at the, the, the procedural outcome, which is TME3 flow. Uh, in the CTO, we have to look at the whole patient perspective and how we can make this journey safer and, and better for the patients. So, so that's part of the the whole idea. Um, so so far, it's it's going very well. And uh, so, even though these are high complexity, the success rate is above ninety percent uh, on these patients doing it this way and the complication rate look uh, favorable. So it's gonna be interesting to see, to see the results when they come. We can't wait, can't wait. We're very excited to look at this and I think more and more people are doing investment procedures and your study will be really uh, critical to better understand how to better do this and what the outcomes are going to thank be. Thank you. So again, Anya, Thank you. Thank you again so much for taking the time today. This was an incredible overview. Congratulations on building a premier program in, in Berger, uh, doing all the teaching, doing the research. Uh, super excited to learn from you and work with you. Same to you. So nice uh, to be here with you tonight, uh, Manos. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Sunset Podcast. 